Good morning. I'm Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary, and we're happy that you've joined us this morning for the worship of God. If you're new to Calvary, we want you to know that you're welcome here and that you're glad you're with us today. Just a few quick things you need to know. You'll need a worship folder this morning to guide you through the service. And if you're not new to Calvary, there are announcements inside the worship folder that you should take a look at. Um, we'd also love the chance to follow up with you, get to know you, and be with you in prayer. So the best way for us to do that is if you fill out this visitor card in the pew, and if you'll just place it in the offering plate later in the service, we'll be sure to get in touch with you. This week, we're continuing our series on the call to abundant life. And today, we're specifically addressing taking risks as part of the abundant life. As I thought about this week's service of worship, I headed straight to Google because I know myself well enough to know I'm not an expert on taking risks. I typed how to take a risk into the search bar. I had 663 million results. The first result returned was titled, Seven Signs You Should Take the, parentheses, Scary Risk. The second result was, Take a Risk. The odds are better than you think. And it was an article by Forbes. The third result was, How to Take Risks, 15 Steps with Pictures. <laughs> As we'll hear today, taking risk is about so much more than making a profit or gaining something tangible. As Christians, taking a risk of faith can also lead us to an abundant life. Just as Jesus and the disciples risked feeding the 5,000, as Elisha risked feeding 100, sometimes taking a risk of faith means gaining nothing and giving everything. Deliver us, God, from our fear of taking risks. Deliver us, God, from anything that keeps us from fully trusting you. Amen. Pray with me. Father, creator of all, thank you for this day. Thank you for this hour. Thank you for this service. Help and guide us to understand that we need your love and that we need to do nothing to receive it. Help us to learn more about your love by focusing not on our wants, but on our needs and help us to understand that we need to share your love and our resources with others who have less talent, 
less gifts, and quite frankly, are less loved by others. Help us to focus not on our scarcities or our fears of scarcity, but rather to focus on our desire to help others. Help us not to focus on how few loaves we have, but rather focus on how many people need our help. Help us to understand that by helping others, we too can experience the gift of joy, the gift of helping others, and the gift of your love once again. Help us now as we go forward this week to look for the needs for the others of others and help us to focus on how we can provide your love and your gifts to them. In the name we pray, amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Oh, 
Second book of Kings. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elijah said, Give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat, for thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them, they ate, and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This is the word of God. A song from Kenya. If you notice, this is a Kenya attire today, and I've just returned from Kenya. However, the song that we're singing today is not one that I've just learned. It's something I want us to memorize. Uh, give us an A. You all are supposed to be down here with me, remember, from rehearsal, with no mics. Yes, come sing, come sing down here with us. Uh, Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Let's memorize that, okay? Here we go. Ready and go. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Good. Now, if you want to sing a part to this, this is your day. You can sing, Trust in Jesus. He's your friend.
Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Let's try that together. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. If you want to sing tenor, go. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Just two notes. Okay, the alto part. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Or you can make anything up there, okay? See, like two notes max, okay? All right, let's all try a part, okay? Pick something, or the melody. Stand, please. Here we go together. One, two, with the percussion, ready, go. Trust in Jesus. He's your friend. Trust in Jesus. He will lift you. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He's your friend. Trust in Jesus. He will lift you. Sing together again. Trust in Jesus. He's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Now let's sing it one more time as the children come and join me here uh, by the bubblegum uh, container. All boys and girls to the front. Ready, sing together, ready and go. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Sing one more time. Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. You may be seated. You may be asking today, why was Isaac playing a bucket instead of that nice djembe, and why was... Um, Jordan playing the lid of the bucket, and that's because the day we learned this song in Kenya, we were in a school called the AIC Girls' School in Kajado, Kenya, and there was a young woman who came up with crutches, and she was from a disabled school right by the AIC school, and she came up to the platform with, with, on crutches and started singing the song. And then pretty soon the whole group joined in and all the boys and girls, they were singing in harmony and it was about 800 plus girls in a space smaller than one section of this room, about halfway back or two thirds of the way back, all singing together and singing this beautiful song that we just sang. And it just captivated my heart. And I thought, you know, if this little girl who's on crutches from a disabled school in Kenya, can sing trust in Jesus. I think I can trust in Jesus a lot more than I've been trusting. And we, there were some cool drums in the background, and we thought, wow, they've got some really cool drums here. And after they cleared out, we went and looked, and the drums were just buckets that they had manipulated in various ways. So that's why we use the buckets. Another thing that happened on that day, which is why we have the bubble gum, we were passing out some gifts to all the girls in this school. It was just a girls' school. And we we're passing out gifts to all of these boys and girls. And the students that were on this trip, college students, had collected gifts to pass out to everybody. So they had them all organized on a big, some big tables in a line, and all the girls were lined up coming by. And one of the things that one of the students had said before we left Waco, we should give all the children a piece of bubble gum. Wouldn't that be fun? So somebody went to Sam's and bought bubble gum like this. Um, and they bought two containers of bubble gum. So this has 380 pieces in it. So they thought, well, 380 pieces times two, 760, right, would be plenty of bubble gum for everybody. But when we got there, we asked now, just to be sure, how many girls are here in the school? And it was like 810 or something like that. So there were too many girls. So the students came to me and said, so what do we do? We had to find some other gifts. We had some that we could give, but we had no more bubble gum. So they said, should we pass out the bubble gum? And I said, well, there's no way you can pass out the bubble gum to some boys and girls, some girls, and not pass out to the others, right? That would be awful, right? 
So we couldn't do that. So the students said, led by Chris Pillsbury, who some of you out here know from a few years ago, this group of students said, Dr. Bradley, we just need to pray that God will multiply the bubble gum. And that when we get to the end, there'll be plenty of bubble gum. So what am I to say? I don't trust your prayers. You know, I'm still worried about the girls being sad. So I said, sure. And so they got in a group, the students, a bunch of them, four or five, six or sevens, they got a group together. They got over kind of to the side. And they prayed that God would multiply the bubble gum. And at the end of the line, that they would, every girl would get some bubble gum. Well, what do you think happened that day? Okay, it wouldn't have multiplied because that's all we brought. Or maybe it would have. <laughs> well, when we got to the end, every girl got a piece of bubble gum. And so we believed that God multiplied the bubble gum. Just as you're going to hear a Bible story later about God taking some loaves and fishes and multiplying it and everybody getting fed. If you've studied that story in Sunday school, do you remember what happened at the end of that story and what happened at the end of the scripture that Karen and Jackson just prayed? Was there plenty of fishes and loaves? And what? And to make sure it didn't go bad, they had a lot of leftovers and they had to put them in baskets. So yeah, so not only was there enough, but there was even leftovers, okay? So today I want you to take not one piece of bubble gum, but I want you to take a big handful of bubble gum, only with the understanding that you're gonna go and give all of it at one piece to somebody else, okay? And then after church, Brenda's gonna have this out here, so if anybody didn't get bubble gum, we hope that there will be plenty of bubble gum or that God will multiply it so that everybody gets a piece, okay? So as we go back to our seats, we're gonna sing trust in Jesus again and take some bubble gum and hand it out to others, okay? Trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus, he's your friend. Trust in Jesus, he will lift you up. Stand.
now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, just so you all know, there is an abundance of bubble gum all along the floor up here. <laughs> and I really wanted to chew one, but I didn't think I should preach and chew bubble gum. But I will be watching for bubbles around the sanctuary, so we'll see how that goes. Well, Parker Palmer tells a great story about a flight that he took many years ago from Chicago to Denver. The plane pulled away from the gate, but it stayed taxied a long time, long enough that the passengers knew that something wasn't quite right. And so their hearts sank when they finally heard the sound of the engine's power down and the pilot's voice come across the intercom. The pilot said, I have some bad news, folks. There's a storm in the west exactly where we are headed, and the Denver airport is shut down. Unfortunately, there are no alternatives for us, so we are going to have to stay here on the airplane for at least a few hours. That's the bad news. Now, the really bad news, he said, is that we don't have any food on board the plane. Now, this story comes from the time when there was real food on airplanes, not just bags of peanuts and pretzels. And the passengers were all expecting a full meal during their cross-country flight. Now, I have no idea why they wouldn't let them get off the plane and go back to the airport to get some food, but evidently that wasn't an option. So everyone groaned. Some became angry. But then, Palmer said, one of the flight attendants stood up in the aisle and took the mic. She said, we're really sorry here, folks. We didn't plan it this way, and we can't do much about it. We know that for some of you, this is a really big deal. You're hungry, and you were expecting lunch. Some of you have a medical condition and really need food right now, and some of you have young children. So I have an idea. She said, we have a couple of empty bread baskets up here, and we're going to pass them around the cabin. And I'd like to invite everyone to put something in the basket. I know some of you have brought little snacks along just in case, like peanut butter crackers and candy bars. Some of you have Rolaids, Lifesavers, and chewing gum. And if you don't happen to have anything edible, maybe you have a business card or a picture of your kids or a bookmark or a magazine. The thing is, she said, I hope everybody puts something in the basket. And then we will reverse the process. We will pick up the baskets at the back of the plane and pass them around again so that everybody can take out what he or she needs. Well, Parker Palmer said what happened next was amazing. First, the complaining and griping stopped. People started to root around in their pockets and handbags and briefcases. Some stood up and retrieved luggage from the overhead racks and got out boxes of candy, salami, Italian sausage, cheese, crackers, and even a bottle of wine. <laughs> This was back in the day when you could take lots and lots of things with you on planes. Soon people were laughing and talking, and the flight attendant had transformed a group of anxious people focused on their need, their deprivation and scarcity into a gracious community, sharing, and in the process, creating an abundance. Well, the flight eventually took off and landed, and as he stepped off the plane, Palmer found the flight attendant, and he said, you know, there's a story in the Bible about what you did today. And she said, I know that story. That's why I did it. You could call it a modern-day rendition of today's scripture reading from John chapter 6. Here in John's Gospel, Jesus is up on a mountain with the disciples when he sees a large crowd of people coming toward them. And the Jewish Passover is near, and he says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all of these people to eat? Although Jesus already knows exactly what he is going to do. 
Now Philip looks around at the crowd and he sees what they don't have. They don't have enough money to buy bread for what looks like 5,000 people. He says it would take six months wages to buy enough bread just for everyone to have a small bite. But another disciple, Andrew, looks at what they do have. He says, look, here is a boy with five barley loaves and two fish. I wonder what we could do with that. And so Jesus takes the little that they do have. He takes the barley loaves and the fish. He blesses it and he begins to pass it around. And then he invites everyone to sit down in the grass and eat. And he tells everyone to have as much as they want. Soon he asked the disciples to gather up the fragments. And lo and behold, there are actually 12 whole baskets of food left over. Now some people, even some of my respected colleagues and my favorite writers, people on the MAB Sermon Bingo board, some people have tried to rationalize this story just to make sense of it in some way. And so they propose that out of these 5,000 people sitting in the grass, surely some of them had food with them. And maybe, just maybe, after hearing from Jesus that day, they, they started feeling compelled to open up their bags and their pockets and to share whatever food they had with them so that all 5,000 people could eat. Maybe it was like a big potluck on the grass that day with more than enough food to go around. Maybe this is a story of kindness and generosity and love of neighbor. I don't know about you, but I tend to think that this story is much bigger than that. Even though a story of 5,000 people sharing and practicing generosity would be a beautiful thing, much like the airplane story shared by Parker Palmer. But I don't think that that's what this story is actually about. Because the reality is that this is the only miracle story that is found in all four of our Gospels. Two of the writers actually tell it twice because once just doesn't feel like enough for a story that is this big. It's a story that has captivated people's minds and hearts and souls from the moment that it happened, so much so that all four gospel writers thought to include it in their narratives, which means you and I ought to pay careful attention here. And because of that, I can't help but to think and to hope and to imagine that this story is about so much more than people being nice and sharing. I can't help but to think and to hope and to imagine that this is a story about a God who does big and abundant and, yes, even miraculous things that you and I cannot even begin to do on our own. After all, as Pastor Nadia Boltz Weber says, as crazy as it is, I believe in miracles. Not because I think I'm supposed to, but because I need to. I need to believe that God does what we cannot do. Because if God acted in the ways that we could, we could all just become our own gods. And if history tells us anything, it's that we make terrible gods. You see, if you and I aren't careful, we can convince ourselves, like Nadia says, that we can provide for our own needs. We can solve the world's problems. We can make a way. We can do it if we only work hard enough, dream big enough, fight hard enough, stay up long enough, study hard enough, give of our all enough. But Nadia goes on to say, I wonder if, like the disciples, we too make the mistake of not always realizing how different God is from us. And what a good thing that is. That we have a God who can actually feed so many on so little. A God who created the universe out of nothing. A God that put flesh on dry bones, nothing. A God that put life in a dry womb of nothing. 
Nothing is God's favorite material to work with, she says. And so perhaps God looks upon that which we might dismiss as nothing or insignificant or worthless, and God says, aha, now that is something I could work with. For the past several weeks at Calvary, we have been talking about living the abundant life. Fully living into God's abundance means that there is strength even when we are at our weakest. There is grace even when we are at our lowest. There is hope even when we are in despair. There is light even in the darkness. There is new life even when everything around us points to death. Because through Christ, there is always more than enough. Perhaps believing in miracles, like today's text, perhaps believing in miracles forces us to acknowledge the ways that we can't, and only God can. However, you and I have a job in all of this too. Now, it's not as clear in John's reading, but in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, Jesus actually gives the baskets to the disciples and asks them to pass the baskets of food to the rest of the people. And as I was listening to Randall's story about the bubble gum, I thought the same thing. I can't help but wonder how much trust this act would have taken. I can imagine the disciples saying to Jesus, look, there is not enough food. What in the world are you asking us to do? We're going to make fools of ourselves, or the people are going to get angry with us, or laugh at us, or heckle us for thinking that a few baskets of fish and bread could even begin to feed 5,000 people. But for some reason, they do it. You see, it is God's job to do the big, miraculous work that we could never even begin to do on our own. But God invites us to be a part of that work too. Our job is to trust, to take a risk, to take a leap of faith. Like the time Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat even though he was afraid he would sink. Or when he called the disciples to cast out their nets again, even though they had been fishing all night long and had caught nothing. Or when God called the widow of Zarephath to make a loaf of bread for Elijah, even when she barely had enough flour and oil to feed herself and her son. Or like today's text, when Jesus calls the disciples to pass around the baskets, even when it seemed like there was no way that there would be enough food to go around. Friends, in what way is God inviting you to take the next brave step forward in God's big miracle? In what ways are you being asked or nudged or challenged to partner with God in God's abundant work in our world? This summer, Waco ISD has been working with local churches in Prosper Waco to prepare to meet a huge need in our community this fall. The goal is to have book clubs for 100% of all the third through fifth graders at the three campuses with the greatest needs, Alta Vista, Brook Avenue, and J.H. Hines, and at least 50% of four other campuses Dean Highland, West Avenue, Bells Hill, and Crestview. This will require 250 new mentors from local churches while also keeping the 145 mentors from this previous year. But then they have an even bigger goal than that, and their big goal is to have book clubs for 100% of second through fifth graders in 15 Waco ISD schools which would mean 1,600 mentors reading with almost 4,800 children each week in our community. Now, we've had about 20 mentors from Calvary engaged in reading clubs at West Avenue over the past year, but I wonder if we could have 40 or 50 or even more than that. I believe that only God can do it but it also requires us to step out in faith. 
Or another example, in April, through the leadership of our finance and personnel teams here at Calvary, our coordinating council proposed a giving campaign called Journey On that would challenge us to pay off the remainder of our renovation cost in order to journey on with God in God-sized ways in the days ahead, including beginning our search for an associate pastor. Now, at the beginning of April, we needed $79,000 to pay off these remaining costs. And we are thrilled that in only three months' time, we have already received $57,795, which is over 70% of our goal. And some of you have asked if this is money that has been pledged or money that is received, and this is money that has actually been received. We only have a little over $21,000 left to pay off. However, most of this will need to come from weekly, monthly, and bi-monthly gifts since our one-time gifts have mostly been received. I believe that only God can do this. Only God could have gotten us this far. But it requires all of us to step out in faith. And of course, so many of us have been talking about our anger and unrest at the injustices happening along our borders, just hours away from us, particularly to children who have been separated from their families. I'm communicating regularly with clergy and other leaders here in Waco and in our broader CBF networks to see how Calvary can be part of seeking justice and mercy and extending hospitality to our immigrant neighbors. I'll be meeting with someone from the Waco Immigration Alliance tomorrow and with local clergy, social workers, and community leaders next week at the Garland School of Social Work to talk about what next steps we can take together. The challenge before us is great. And I truly believe that only God can show up in the big and abundant and miraculous ways that are truly needed. But it requires all of us to step out in faith. Friends, in what way is God inviting Calvary to take the next brave step forward in order for God to do a miracle? In what ways are we being asked or nudged or challenged to partner with God in God's abundant work in our world? I came across a quote this week in a sermon by Gary Hall when he was serving as the dean of the Washington National Cathedral. He was preaching at the installation service for Amy Butler at the Riverside Church of New York City, and he said the following. He said, a church... Even a great historic church will be a credible leader in peace and justice only as far as it can learn to bask in the grace and abundance of God's compassionate, transforming love. A church, even a great church, will be a credible leader in peace and justice only as far as it can learn to bask in the grace and abundance of God's compassionate and transforming love. I fully believe that God wants to do big, bold, miraculous, abundant work among us here at Calvary. You can feel it in the air. You can sense that the Holy Spirit is up to big and beautiful things in this place. But that work doesn't begin with our working harder. It doesn't begin with any of our plans, as thoughtful and well-intentioned as they may be. It doesn't happen by hiring more staff, building more committees, growing our church, raising more money, adding more programming, you fill in the blank. I believe with every fiber of my being that the most important work God can do begins right here in this space. It happens when you and I come to worship the God who does big and abundant and even miraculous things that we cannot even begin to do on our own. Because a church, even a great church, will only be a credible leader in peace and justice and mission and ministry in this world only as far as it can learn to bask in the grace 
an abundance of God's compassionate and transforming love. And so may it be so in this place, and may it be so of us. God, help us to sit in the reality of your abundant love for a moment this morning. Love that never fails, never runs out, never gives up on us. God, we see the need. We see the need in our community. We see the need along our border. We see the need in our world. We see the needs in this very room. And we know that meeting all of those needs doesn't begin with us, God. It begins with you. And trusting you to do abundantly more than we could ever dare to ask or imagine. God, give us faith. Help us to trust in you and give us braveness and boldness to take that next step forward. To take a risk and to walk with you in bold and beautiful and miraculous ways that you are calling us to go. We ask these things in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Well, we have read and heard and sung and spoken all morning about God's abundant, never giving up, never running out kind of love. Even in a world in which you and I experience scarcity. And ultimately, it is Jesus who showed us the magnitude of God's love when he came to earth to be with us. His life and his death and his resurrection all took place so that we might not only have life, but as John's gospel says, that we might have it abundantly. And so if you would like to talk with one of our ministers about what it looks like to follow Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary today. Or if you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to know and to follow Jesus together, we would love to welcome you to the Calvary family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. Be 
shape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and you Nothing we do in church more represents the abundance of God than the Lord's Supper. Perhaps actually the way we do the Lord's Supper with a tiny piece of bread dipped into a cup doesn't actually lead you to think of abundance. But let's unpack that for a moment. The reality is that that small chunk of bread and that brush of grape juice represents the always enough, never running out nature of the God that we love and serve. What we do as we come to this table is not at all akin to wine tasting and bread sampling. It's not a sample that makes you buy more, but it is the representation of God's filling us to the brim, that God fills us to the point of never ever being hungry again. This there's always enough of God to go around mentality couldn't be better embodied in any way that I can imagine better than the story that we've heard this morning, the scripture, the sermon that we've heard about feeding the 5,000. When I was a child, I loved the story feeding the 5,000. I can still remember seeing those Sunday school pictures that some of you are remembering, and I could imagine myself as that little boy, and I can imagine my always prepared little self uh, having the food that I would have brought with me and being the one that Jesus called and how amazing it would be for Jesus to call me out and use my food to feed the 5,000. I could just find myself right in the middle of that story. And even as, adult, as an adult, I still love that story, and I can still imagine that. But you know, my childhood version of that story isn't all that crazy, is it, really? Because you and I are still bringing the little bit that we have, the bit that we prepared, the bit that we brought to ourselves, maybe on that airplane just in case or whatever, we're still bringing that that we have and we're living in the expectation that God will use that little bit and that God will do something amazing and miraculous about it. As I've thought about this communion day and about what we're saying in worship this morning, I've hoped and I've prayed that God would somehow nurture that space in me that wants God to use my little bit to be something important. And I hope it's that way for you. Today as we come to this table, it is also a table of abundance. There's absolutely no scarcity here. There's enough for all and all are welcome. As you take this bread today, this small chunk of bread, this splash of grape juice, let it fill you. Let it sink way down into your soul. Allow Jesus to fill you today as you participate in this meal. Today, as you come to this table, offer the gifts that you have, the pieces of bread, the small fishes that maybe you're carrying around in some secret space in your life. Offer them today, and let's all pray that God would use them in some miraculous way. Let it be so. Today, you don't need to be a member of Calvary to come to this table. If you've accepted Christ and you profess Christ, you are welcome to this table, and please come. There are several different locations at the front today, and there's also a gluten-free station at the back. We'll be dipping the bread into the cup, which is our tradition. Children, if you've not yet made a profession of faith, there will be some people to meet you here on the platform and to offer you a blessing. If you'd like to receive communion in your seat, just simply lift your hand today and a deacon will bring communion to you, bring those elements to you. So today as we come to this table, 
we come to this table again to know Christ in this meal and to remember how on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had broken it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant, covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this bread, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, come now to the table. Amen.
You'll notice that we have some beautiful flowers on the organ today brought by Sheila Smith, and those are in honor of the first baby that we have born out of our six that are due in the next few months. Uh, Laura Charlotte Ranowski was born on Wednesday, July 4th to Joanne and Brian Ranowski. They came home from the hospital on Friday, and they said they are adjusting to a new sleep schedule, but they are happy and doing great. So we definitely celebrate this gift of new life in our Calvary family. Also, I wanted to make sure everyone was aware about Jennifer Grant's condition. Uh, You may not have heard Jennifer was having a minor surgery at the end of June that had some significant complications, and she is still in the ICU at a hospital in Decatur, Texas, northwest of Fort Worth. Um, Jonathan said she had a pretty rough day yesterday. She's just in a lot of pain. They are moving some of the wound vacs that are trying to clear out infections in her body. So their family is asking for our prayers, for rest, for healing, and for all of these infections to, to be healed and to go away. The deacons and their Sunday school class, the adult all-stars, have been collecting money for gas cards um, for the grants as they are traveling back and forth Uh, to Decatur. And also this week, the deacons are going to be putting together a meal calendar so that we can take Jonathan and the kids some meals while they are here in town. And so I just want to ask all of us in the Calvary family to keep the grants and particularly Jennifer in our prayers in the days ahead. Um, Also a reminder that we have our big church-wide cookout at the Redwood Shelter at Cameron Park two weeks from today. There's a link in your worship folder in the tower and on Facebook. We would love for you to RSVP so that we can be best prepared for everyone. But we always look forward to that time together uh, in the park. Um, Next week, I will actually, oh, I'm tripping on bubble gum up here. I'm going to step over a little bit. (laughs) Next week, I will be in Colorado officiating the wedding of one of our recent college graduates, Jess Hastings. And so Chad Eggleston will be preaching with us, and we are looking forward to hearing a word from him. And then lastly, remember that today, on the day that we receive Lord's Supper, we also take up the Samaritans Fund. And that goes toward emergent needs in our church and in our surrounding community. Know that that is used often and is used well, and so we appreciate your generous giving to that. Well, please receive this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.